it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for one last time this week with another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I am joined once again by none other than Ben Gorwitz, so y'all know what time it is. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Made it through the work week, TP. Time for some football. That's what I'm saying. This podcast, every single time we recorded, it means we made it through the work week, so it's automatically my favorite podcast of the week. Y'all know it is time for football. We're about to break down for y'all all a couple of college football games, um, some NBA and some NFL, but we're going to start out with the NBA, which starts out first. Um, first thing we want to talk about here, Ben, is what, what was your initial thoughts on Game 7? Did you think the Clippers just gave up and packed it in? I mean, the most disappointing story of the year that might come out of sports is, is the Clippers. Um, obviously, the NBA would have loved, for rating purposes, to have Lakers-Clippers, the two LA teams battling out. And we're not going to get that. Um, Kawhi Leonard, who I consider to be the second best player in basketball, uh, still behind the King, um, did not show up in the second half of Game 7 or Game 6. Um, playoff P or Pandemic P, whatever you want to call it, Paul. For sure. Pandemic P looked like Pandemic P in Game 7. Um, I can't believe that shot he took from the corner three and hit the side of the backboard. Um, that's, I mean, a professional should never miss by that much. Um, do I think the Clippers gave up? I think the Nuggets literally took the life out of them. So I don't know if they gave up. I think, yeah, I think they gave up. I think the Clippers are just all talk. I, I Kawhi usually shows up. I'm a little uh, confused on what happened with him, but uh, the Morris twin they have, Marcus Morris, yeah. I have no words for that man. That man yapped his mouth the entire playoffs yep. and played well up until this Nuggets series. So, I mean, who's doing the talking now? I mean, Jamal Murray and Yo- uh, Nikolai Jokic is got to be up there for one of the better duos in basketball. I mean, these two showed up every game in the uh, in in this series against the Clippers. They were dynamic when they were down 3-1 against the Jazz. They were dynamic when they were down 3-1 against the Clippers. And now they get the Lakers. So they earned that. They earned those wins. Um, it's really cool to see this Nuggets team and Jamal Murray really um, you know, flourish. I mean, he got that big contract. I remember a lot of people were like, God, does he deserve over $100 million? Well, he does now. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely, Ben. My thing with the Nuggets was always when the Jamal Murray played like an all-star, I mean, I thought they were one of the best teams in the league, if not a top three team in the league. But when Jamal Murray played like 19 point per game, Jamal Murray, that wasn't quite going to get it done. And Jamal Murray, during this bubble, grew up a little bit, and he found that consistency in his game. I mean, when he came back to this team, they were like night and day of how different they were. Then you throw in Gary Harris, and they fixed the defensive problems. I mean, they were two different. There's this was two different Nuggets teams, and I mean, realistic when you think about this series, I mean, they were. I mean, yeah, they got blown out twice, but I mean, they were pretty much in every single game. It was like in the second half that they would make these adjustments once they went down 3-1 that the Clippers would have no answer for. The Clippers were up by 15 points or so, and it was like the whole entire game would change. They found, though, their backbone in Game 5 when the Paul Millsap and Morris got into it. Millsap started draining shots after that. Then all of a sudden, they turned everything around. I mean, you had Porter Jr.'s comments get questioned by every star in the league. I mean, you had them go down three games to one. You had P-Bev talking shit. You had the entire Clippers team running their mouths to them. And the Nuggets proved they have a backbone and stood up for themselves. I thought they grew up a ton in this series. 
um, and completely changed everything. I thought the Clippers absolutely quit and gave up. That was the most pathetic performance I've ever seen in my entire life in the second half of a game. I mean, they didn't even show up in the second half. They lost by 20 when they were up by, I mean, you think they were only up by two at the half, but I mean, they even took an eight-point lead in the third quarter, and they lost by 20. It was absolutely pitiful. Um, with all that being said, Ben, what do you think is going to happen in this series and in game one of tonight's game? So game one's really interesting um, when it comes to LeBron. He doesn't have the best success in game ones. Um, part of me wants to say that maybe he just kind of takes it as like a feel-out game. LeBron mm -hmm. um, is one of the – I mean, he's one of the smartest basketball minds, um, if not the smartest to ever play. Um, I feel like he's – you know, when you watch LeBron in that first quarter, he usually doesn't take a lot of shots. He likes to get his role players, you know, Danny Green, um, Caruso, and even – he's not a role player, but uh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, guys, if you, I mean, if you can't remember, he's never had playoff success. He's rarely been to the playoffs on those Pelicans teams. It's more important for AD to get going because LeBron can turn it on whenever he wants. So when you start seeing AD, you know, start to hit maybe three out of his first four shots, LeBron's like, this game is ours. Because if AD's going to be on, LeBron's going to be on. And if Danny Green can hit a couple early threes, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna shoot the ball well. So I – I think that's really important. Um, the The line in this series is not something to look at for me because it's going to be the same the entire series. I mean, the Nuggets were plus seven and a half or plus eight every mm -hmm. game against the Clippers, and they won that series. So I wouldn't pay uh, too much attention to that. Um, I'm not going to personally take anything on game one, but I do want to say what Jamal Murray's doing is beyond the numbers special. He was guarded by... Mike Conley when he faced the Jazz, um, occasionally Donovan Mitchell, and occasionally um, Clarkson. Mike Conley is known to be a pretty good defender, way above average defender, not nothing elite, but a good you know good defender. And then in the and then in the Clippers, he's guarded by the guy who runs his mouth the the most in the league, Pat Bev, for scoring probably two points a game. He's supposed to be he's literally in the NBA for his defense. Jamal Murray shut him up. Paul George was on him. Every once in a while, Kawhi was on him on a switch, and he scores at will on everyone with this high pick and roll with Jokic. Um, I expect the Lakers to win this series in six games at the most. Um, this is this is just it's different. This Lakers team, LeBron's not going to let them. They're not going to be trailing in this series. I don't think ever. Um, I, I think LeBron will control the series. I think the Nuggets, the most important game, you got to get off to a good start. Um, whether they win or I mean, you want to win, obviously. If they lose, they need to make they need to keep it close. Um, if you get blown out in game one to LeBron, and then you happen to lose game two, it's going to be over. If he blows you out in one, and if he blows you out and they go up 2-0, it's over. You're not going to come back. As good as Kawhi is, LeBron's different. Yeah, I have some bad news for you on that take, Ben. Um, although the Lakers have lost every game one so far in the playoffs. These teams that come out of these seven-game series have not done well in game one of any of these series. In fact, Houston's the only one beating the Lakers, which I was honestly shocked by. But, I mean, the Nuggets, we've seen it happen to them already once where they got blown out the first night against the Clippers. You know, I feel like the Nuggets, too, especially they had to fight, scrap, and claw for their life. It was a physical series. series. Yeah, and, I mean, you even saw them had a little celebration. Yeah, that was a long physical series. I mean, when you're down 3-1 twice in a row, I think that really takes a toll on you. Therefore, I think the Lakers will cover minus seven tonight. I am going to take that, but I'm going to agree with you on this one. I personally, I don't think the Lakers ever trail this series. I do definitely think the Nuggets will be able to take a game, maybe two. I don't see it going more than six. I would say Lakers in five. That seems to have been the trend so far in the playoffs, but 
You know, Jamal Murray, he also, going off your point of how amazing he's been, he had two games, I believe it was game four and game, no, it was game five, game six, where he didn't turn the ball over a single time and scored over 40 points, and that had never happened in NBA history. He was the first player to score that many points and have that many assists back-to-back games without having a single turnover. I mean, he really has been different. He looks like the Jamal Murray of old at Kentucky. I mean, even Jokic, too. Like, Beverly specifically came at Jokic, and Jokic took his game up to a whole other level. But I don't think any of that, though, would have happened without Millsap. Like, in that game, they were down by 15 points in Game 5. Then it seemed like after Millsap got in Morris's face, he turned his game up to another level. And then all of a sudden, it was like Murray and Jokic got the confidence in themselves again. I mean, I think the Nuggets are definitely going to give them – I mean, I think they're going to give them all they got and keep a couple of these games close that they don't have any business being in. I mean, this Nuggets team's scrappy, but ultimately, I think it's going to be a fun series to watch. And, I, I mean, it's I'm excited for tonight. Yeah, I know – I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know that uh, Jokic in the regular season against the Lakers this year did not have a ton of success being guarded by Anthony Davis. Um, I mean, that's Ian not like Howard a total... too. You know, that's three bigs deep. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, I'm curious to see how the rotation kind of switches up for the Lakers. Dwight Howard and McGee barely played against Houston. Um, for obvious reasons, Houston goes very small. Um, you know, I expect them to play. Um uh, does Bulbul get any time in the series? Only if they're losing by twenty. I mean, honestly, it's too, it's too early for him. I'm glad he got in the in like actually in in the bubble and got some experience. But you know, I feel like he's still too young. Like you can't you can't rely on someone like him. You got to go with these guys who have proven you can rely on them throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think the big matchups for this to watch is Jokic versus Anthony Davis. Absolutely, um, for obvious reasons and. Uh, and to, I mean, this is obvious, but Jamal Murray is going to be guarded by some pretty good defenders. Um, Rajon Rondo is a terrific defender, especially in the playoffs. He's unbelievable in the playoffs. Um, Caruso is deserves more credit on the defensive end than you know maybe what he looks like he's going to show. Um, I'm curious to see if Danny Green takes a stab at him. Danny Green's also a pretty good Probably perimeter will. defender. Um, I think you're going to have to throw different kinds of matchups against Jamal Murray. Um, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I think they, they could definitely win a game. I don't expect this to be a sweep. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one completely. I mean, the Nuggets are definitely going to put up a fight. They're not going to roll over at all. But regardless, I'm excited for tonight's game. But, you know, we got to get down to what everybody's really here to listen to, and that is us break down these football matchups for the weekend. So, we have two disclaimers before we get into breaking down this first game for you guys. First thing is, we had Houston and Baylor on here. I was going to give you all Houston on the money line as my top play of the entire week for college football. That game just got canceled. The reason it hasn't been released yet, but it's obviously COVID. Not going to lie, that one hurt a lot. But our second disclaimer is, the weather's bad this weekend, so I wouldn't lock in any totals till tomorrow and you see the for- the weather forecast. What do you think about that, Ben? Yeah, I mean, wind is a, is a big, big factor. Um, in football, specifically the special teams game. Um, and it's more of a factor in college football compared to the NFL because these guys are not professionals. These sloppy. guys will mess up. Yeah, it's a little more sloppy. Um, and, you know, it depends. If you're throwing into the wind versus with the wind, the deep ball is a little bit harder to throw. Um, obviously, with rain, for obvious reasons, ball can be a little slick. Um, turf or grass can be a little um, wet for cuts. I mean, it gets a little sloppy in college football when the weather doesn't cooperate. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just a little uh, secret for y'all for bowl season. Bet the under every single time in the Sun Bowl at that UTEP Stadium. The way it's built, it's perfectly open, and the wind just whips through there. The unders hit, I think, like the last 15 times they played that bowl game. Anyway, since we don't have that one, we will jump into the 3.30 matchup on ABC. Georgia, man, Georgia Tech getting these primetime 3.30 matchups two weeks in a row. The UCF um, Golden Knights visit Georgia Tech down here in Atlanta. Um, what are you thinking about this one, Ben? Our total, our spread is at seven and a half, and let me see what that total set at. Um, yeah, so UCF is uh, favored in this game. I, I actually like that Tech is getting a little national spotlight in the beginning when there's not that many good matchups on. This is an exciting program uh, to kind of watch, um, you know, build. They're building something. I mean, they literally started from ground zero. They had to change everything from the triple option. Um, new coach brought in a new defense. Uh, Collins brought in a new defense when he came in. Uh, and Tech looked, they looked good in week one. Um, obviously, they played a Florida State program who is also going through a lot of changes with the new coach and new offensive and defensive um, systems. But Tech looked pretty good. Um, I, I want to keep it at pretty good because I think if Blackman, the quarterback for Florida State, mm-hmm. was even average, I think Florida State wins that game. Um, they left a lot on the table, it seemed like, when I was watching that. UCF can sling it. They can score, and they can mm-hmm. score often. Um, I like UCF in this game. I'm going to stay off this one because I like some other matchups a little bit more. Um, I think Tech struggles more than they did against Florida State. Uh, I know UCF, they could just score. I, I trust their offense. I mean, you, they're not going to leave points on the table as much as Florida State did. Um Tech's going to have to get some early turnovers, I think, with that defense. Uh, kind of settle in early. If they they kind of – UCF kind of drives the ball down, scores on that first drive, I think it could be a long night for that defense – or a long day for that defense. Yeah, you know, believe it or not, Ben, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the fact there's no home fans there is going to hurt Tech in this game. And, you know, you might sit here and be like, Thomas, we've watched plenty of games before in that stadium. Half of it ain't even full half the time, but – I actually think coming off a huge win like that, you know, there's a little hype over there in that tech program and everything. Everybody's saying, okay, Jeff Collins has got it turned around and stuff. There would be a lot of hype there with the home crowd. I think not having them there is going to be a factor in that. Also, I kind of look at it from the opinion, like you said, Florida State kind of pissed that game away, man. I mean, we had every opportunity in the world to get it going. Yeah, Tech had some turnovers, and we had some very costly turnovers too in that game. Um, I think it could be a letdown spot for Georgia Tech off a big win. At the same time, UCF does have 10 guys out and two defensive starters from sitting out for COVID. Um, UCF, though, has a more dynamic roster. And like you said, I mean, Dylan Gabriel is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Weather could be a little bit of a factor. It could be windy conditions in Atlanta. Therefore, I haven't played anything yet. But here's my lying reasons why I ultimately can pick a side in this one. Georgia Tech's 0-9 against the spread in their last nine games is a home dog of more than five points. Central Florida's 7-2 against the spread is an away favorite. I honestly have no problem laying the lumber here with Central Florida. I think Georgia Tech's being a little overrated right now because that last win and the fact they played a game Central Florida hasn't. I just want to make sure that weather's not going to be bad tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, like you like you said, the disclaimer in the beginning, um, people need to keep an eye on the weather um, all around the country. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there could definitely be some crazy stuff going on tomorrow with this weather. Um, our next game we're going to move to here is our primetime game on 830 on ABC. The first ranked college football matchup of the year it took us to get to week three to get that one. Miami is number 18. They're visiting number 17, Louisville Cardinals. Um, what are you thinking about this one, Ben? The spread currently sits at Miami plus two and a half. Total is 64 and a half. 
why is Miami number 18 in the country? <laughs> <laughs> is it literally, I mean, literally before King transferred there, I don't, I mean, this was, that was obviously way before the season. I don't think people were expecting much from Miami. Does one player, I know he's a quarterback, so he, you know, has the biggest um, effect or impact on the game, but is one person really going to get this done for an entire season for Miami? I personally don't believe that. I was very harsh on Miami. Um, the last time we talked about them, last understatement. week, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, an understatement. I'm going to continue to be harsh on them until they prove me wrong and win a big game. Um, congratulations, you're one to know. This is a big <laughs> matchup. Um, this game deserves to be college game day. I'm glad it is college game day. Same. Um, I love what Satterfield um, does with the offense with Louisville. I'm interested to see if he's going to stick with one quarterback or if he um, allows uh, Juwan Pass to get in on certain packages to try and trick up the defense a little bit. Um, Satterfield's the type of coach that would do something like that unless Cunningham is just flat out in rhythm. I am going to take a play on this game, and I know that you and I are opposites on this. You can give all your reasons for Miami. I'm taking Louisville. So, first off, I, I like your handicap there. Not bad at all. Um, I'm actually very high on the Louisville Cardinals. The only thing is, I'm actually very high on the Miami Hurricanes. First thing I'm going to start out with here for the total, personally not playing this one because it has been steamed up from 58 to 64 and a half. So, I feel like I don't, not, don't know something here. But Miami in a road conference game is 1 in 12, is in 1 over in 12 unders against the um, over for the over under. So I definitely lean with that under, but I'm not going to play it personally. But look, I watched the entire game for Miami last week against um, – I can't remember who they were playing against last week. But look, once their defense stepped up in about the mid-second quarter, they looked like a different team. They pretty much won the entire game after that from that point on. Um, it was, uh, it was uh, UAB. Yeah, UAB. So UAB, you know, they're not necessarily a cakewalk. I mean, UAB did make a bowl game last year. They have a decent program there. But Miami, once they tightened up in the second half, that defense got going everything. Manny Diaz has a great defense. The key is brought in the new offensive coordinator from SMU. He's the one who's giving De'Aaron King the help he gets. They have him in the right system. He needs the spread to offense system. Look, I personally think De'Aaron King's like a poor man's Russell Wilson in college football. I think that's the kind of player he is changing programs like this. I really like Miami in this one. And – I also think that it really hurts Louisville because they gave up 220 yards last year. But like that's what they average giving up per game on the ground, which you know definitely is to be tough against the Miami team. He's going to want to keep it there, and you know they struggled. Like they got busted for the two of their worst losses of the season against Notre Dame, who had Ian Book running, Trevor Lawrence, who was running around, and Lynn Bowden Jr. for Kentucky, who was running around. So. I think they're going to have all kinds of problems dealing with De'Ara King. Plus, 70% of the public is on Miami. And last year, my uh, system on teams that were getting 70% of – I mean, it was on Louisville. And last year, my system on teams getting 70% of the public bets when it's even teams, which 16 and or 17 and 18, in my opinion, is even teams. Take the other side. So I'm rocking with the Canes plus 2.5, and, and I like them on the money line too. Yeah, I think an X factor for uh, Miami is, um, one, are they going to be able to protect King – um, there was a couple of drives last week against UAB where he really had to scramble, use his legs, and use his playmaking ability, which he's very capable of doing. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it for four quarters for an entire season. I think at some point it's going to catch up to him. I think the X factor is whether they can keep him a pocket passer. I think if, I think if Louisville can make him a pocket passer, I, th- I think Louisville wins this game. Um, I, I don't think Miami is going to give King enough help to put up the points that Louisville can score. Um 
But I think if King is able to use his legs, and he's he's a pretty dynamic runner. I mean, he's low to the he's short, he's low to the ground. He, he's not as fast as Kyler Murray, but he's hard to bring down like Kyler Murray uh, yeah. once he gets in once he gets in the open space. So I think an X factor to look for for Miami's offense and Louisville's defense is can they make him a pocket passer? I don't think he's good enough to carry Miami an entire season for just being a pocket passing quarterback. Hey, I agree with that completely. You force me a pocket passer, they're going to come out here and pull off an upset. Um, another game we added since that we lost that other one, I usually try to do three games for y'all. We're just going to have a quick handicap on one or two others. Let's go with um, Wake Forest and NC State. This one opened Wake Forest plus three. They're all the way down to uh, plus one now on the road at Wake Forest. I mean, on the road at NC State. What are you? Where are you going with this one, Ben? Yeah, I'm actually taking Wake Forest money line on this. Um, it's a completely new offensive system coming in for NC State. Um, they have not played a game yet. Um, we saw that you know in week one um, a little bit with college football, a little bit last week. Teams struggle with the open field tackling a little bit. Um, like I said, when we first started talking about college, um, these guys, it, it takes them a little bit while, or a little longer to get going than it does for professionals. Um, I like that Wake has that experience um, that NC State doesn't. Uh, they did play Clemson. Uh, no one was expecting them you know, to be able to compete that game, which is fine. I mean, so what? You lose to Clemson. That's mm-hmm. the hardest team you're going to play all year. So I think Wake kind of looks at that game as, hey, let's let's show what we can do. Let's work the entire week on how we can get better, and then let's execute against NC State. Um, playing on the road this entire season for sports is is totally separate um, with with lack of fans or no fans at all. Sam Hartman's a good quarterback. Um, he's really good out of high school. He went to Wake. Um, I, I think he's going to be able to move this offense along. Um, he doesn't have all the weapons he would have had. I believe one of his top receivers opted out before the season started. Yes, yeah, so um, sitting out. Yeah, um, but I still like Wake having that uh, experience already. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. I'm walking with the Demon Deacons as well on this one. Um, like you said, Sam Harden's a great quarterback. He's back. Um, actually, this is the key reason why I like Wake Forest in this game. So NC State did not have any spring practices at all. Then on top of that, they had to stop practice late in August because of COVID breakout. So they've been kind of fighting with that and everything. I think their game last week was even canceled because of all that. So yeah, I think they were supposed. And I I think they were supposed. Were they supposed to play Virginia Tech? I believe. Yes, I think. Or no, Virginia Virginia Tech. I know was canceled for this week. It was supposed to be one of our our top slate games this week pretty pissed about that but yeah i think they had a matchup week one that got canceled so i mean they're sitting here they haven't played yet they haven't really practiced much versus the wake forest team's already got a game under their belt i think it's no brainer here the human deacons marching and get a win plus honestly don't think home field advantage is that crazy this year in college football just because you know these teams are hop skipping a jump away from each other and also on top of that you know there's no fans in the stands so or even if there is limited crowd noise i mean it's still not going to be what it usually is you know you don't have to go under those silent counts and everything so and I'm wait the deeks Wake Forest had a big victory over NC State last year, uh, and Hartman was a true freshman. Um, well, no, I guess they had uh, they had Newman. I, I guess uh, was yeah, their starting Newman quarterback. Newman hurt some games last year. Hartman did yeah, play so, some last year. Yeah, I don't remember if Newman played the whole game against NC State, but it was a it was a big time blowout. Um, that coaches for Wake Forest is familiar with this matchup already. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with my Wake Forest money line pick. Yeah, I like that one. Um, last one here. Um, we're talk. I'll I'll just go ahead and talk about it real quick. Honestly, just kind of a 
little free pick I want to give out to y'all here. So Cincinnati plays Austin P, who's 0-2. Yes, Cincinnati hasn't played yet. The spread is the minus 34.5 for Cincinnati at home. But I'm going to sit here and tell y'all why I'm not crazy to bet on Cincinnati. Cincinnati has Des Ritter back at quarterback. On top of that, Austin P lost to Central Arkansas in Week 1. In Week 2, they played Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is not a dynamic offense. I mean, this team barely, this team hasn't covered a spread over 20 in three seasons. And, I mean, yeah, Pat Nartuzzi is a good coach, but he plays better as an underdog coach than favorite. They played 10-minute quarters the entire second half because Pittsburgh was beating them so badly. 55-0 was the final score. Cincinnati has everyone back on offense. Defense might be a little bit weaker, but, I mean, if this Cincinnati defense is going to shut down anybody, it's going to be a horrible Austin P team. I think Cincinnati rolls in minus 34 and a half hits easily. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, a different matchup. You and I were thinking about taking it before, but not anymore. Uh, the Boston college Duke, yep. um, line, I believe Duke was at minus six or six, six. and a half. Yes. Yeah, six. six. And you know, if you want to provide that free stat for the people, uh, if they're thinking about taking Duke, go ahead. Yeah. Duke is Oh, and 11 against the spread is a home favorite their last 11 times. So, they're in that spot again. I mean, it seems a little fishy, the fact that Duke already played a game. Boston College has a new coach. Um, they lost A.J. Dillon to the NFL, who, I mean, in my opinion, was one of the best running backs in college football. They lost their quarterback as well. So, you know, you sit here and look at all these factors, and you're like, wow, Duke minus six is looking pretty good. But once you see that stat, I just don't know if I'll – I mean, it, it would be the year to go against it, but – College football, man, if I have to say, is one of the sketchiest sports to bet on. When you have something like that, you just say, I'm good and don't touch it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm not touching it either. Yeah, I mean, college college football, you can never get too cute. Never think you know more than the numbers saying college football because I promise you don't. Um, what what were their we want so obviously the Big Ten they decided they were playing football this year. Ben, you want to tell them some of the key players that opted back in that had opted out? Yeah, so uh, one of the better cornerbacks in the country, Sean Wade out of Ohio State, uh, just announced last night on ESPN that he would like to opt back in. Obviously, Ohio State uh, is more than well, uh, more than happy to have him back. Um, Justin Fields um, deserves, I think, a lot of a lot of prop uh, or not prop, a lot of uh, praise um, for what he did on social media, getting the Big Ten to play, trying to get all these players and Ohio State people to big. Uh, Biden, he's he's a massive name for the Big Ten. He's probably the biggest name in the Big Ten. Um, and I, I think some of the Ohio State, you know, like the athletic director, um, his coach, uh, Ryan Day, was even supporting him. I think that was big. Um, and then for Minnesota, um, Bateman, their star receiver, one of the top receivers in college football, also is thinking about or also wants to opt back in. Um, Minnesota will obviously bring him back. Um so that'll be interesting to follow. Um, PJ Fleck is is building something at Minnesota. Let's see if he can keep that rolling. Um, and then Michigan, uh, to stay in the Big Ten, had their quarterback Dylan McCaffrey uh, opt out, and he was projected to be the starting quarterback. I believe Michigan now has. I think he's a redshirt freshman, uh, Milton, who's going to be their starter now. Um, mm -hmm. And this is a big year for Harbaugh big I mean it, as the years continue and he still stays the head coach he gets bigger and bigger uh so lack of experience at quarterback we'll see how Michigan's gonna play with that um I'm just happy the Big Ten's back uh I don't believe the Pac-12's officially back yet what are they doing 
Yeah, they still haven't figured out their entire plan yet, but Big Ten is officially back, which is honestly great for college football. They're one of the larger followed conferences, and I mean, hell, I'm happy to have them back too, even though I'm an ACC fan. But um, yeah, you know, I think all these guys coming back are huge. Like you said, Bateman could be the first receiver's name taken off the board in this upcoming draft. Obviously, we all know how good Wade is for Ohio State, but you know, I'm interested honestly to see how that what PJ Fleck has built up does there. It's definitely going to be weird how the season works and everything, and them getting everything to match up. But you know, it's great to have the Big Ten back. Um, you got anything left on college before we flip over to the NFL? Uh, no. I mean, other than there's a there's a really interesting trend that's happened with uh, Ohio State corners. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them have been picked in the first round a lot recently. Um, Sean or Wade is that is uh, is that next guy? Uh, he's that dynamic as a corner. Um, I would put Stingley from LSU a little bit ahead of him as the best corner in the country, but Wade is Wade is right there. That that dude's very dynamic at corner, uh, and he will probably be a first round pick. Um, in this next year's NFL draft, as long as Bateman. No, I agree, I agree with you completely. I'm hey, I'm glad to have it back and have some of the star power back. It wouldn't be as fun to watch with some of these teams, you know, being hurt and not having their full force out there. I mean, obviously not gonna have their full force, but if we can get as many much star power out there as possible, all the better. I got one more thing. Massive news. This is the SEC. Massive news out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Five star Cade Mays, who's from Knoxville, went to Georgia, transferred back, finally got eligible. Thank you for the NCAA for doing that because he deserves to play right away. Ten- Tennessee now has four five-star offensive linemen starting for them. It is Pruitt's time. It's time. It's time to show some progress. A little bit last year, it's time to show it now. He's got the big boys up front. We'll talk more on that SEC next week. Yeah, get ready, guys. SEC preview podcast coming next week on top of this one. So be ready for all that. Let's get down to it, though. We got NFL matchup here, and first matchup, personally, in my opinion, going to be the game of the week. I'm definitely going to have this one on. Best believe that. At 425, the Ravens are visiting the Houston Texans. The spread is sitting at um, Ravens minus seven right now. Um, What are you thinking about this game, Ben? I need to see some adjustments from Bill O'Brien as an offensive play caller. Um, This is not a must-win game because of the division that the Texans are in. It, it's you know kind of similar to what um, the NFC East is with the Cowboys division. Um, there's good teams. There's no great team, in my opinion. The Colts, Texans, Titans are all – they're all good. I don't know if any of them are great. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. 0-2 is not disastrous for the Texans. Um, they – Deshaun just needs some help. I mean, he's got some receivers to throw to. Cooks, I like Cooks. Um, I'm a big Will Fuller fan. Same. It's it's more what is the defense going to show, and unfortunately they're playing one of the most dynamic, probably second most dynamic offense in football behind the Chiefs. I mean, you're going to have to the, – the edge rushers for the Texans, um, it, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they move J.J. Watt around a lot. It's it, God, I just wish Clowney was still there because Clowney on one side and Watt on one side – could really put pressure on Lamar to try and stay in the pocket. You got to try and do that. It's almost impossible. They just had the Ravens have so many weapons. It's it's crazy how many weapons they have, and they utilize them very very well. Rookie running back J.K. Dobbins had a very good showing in Week One. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they still have the Bulldog, uh, not Georgia Bulldog, but the Bulldog mentality in Mark Ingram. Uh, shout out Alabama. 
you got to keep Lamar in the pocket as much as possible. He's a pr- he's a pretty good passer now. You just it's just so hard to stop this offense. I think the Ravens continue to roll. Hey, you know I definitely can't blame you for thinking that um, at all. But I'm actually going to side with the Houston Texans here. So. Look, I think everything you said about the Ravens is definitely true, and don't get me wrong, the te- the Ravens very well could be the best team in the NFL this season. I won't go against anyone who even says that, besides Kansas City. But there's just no way I can count on Deshaun Watson as a home dog. I mean, in my opinion, he's a top three QB in this league. I mean, when he's getting disrespected like this at home, catching eight points, I feel like you can't do that to him. He's 12-6 and six against the spread as an underdog. In his career, the over has hit four of the last five times these teams played. Personally, I'm not going to touch that, but that's up to y'all on that one. Um, Houston also hasn't played since Thursday, and they saw them last season. Lamar did tear them up last year, but I expect them to do a little bit better this year against them. Um, Ronnie Stanley's questionable. Also, uh, Jimmy Smith, one of their star corners, is also questionable. So those are two players to watch out for. But ultimately... I really think that Houston's going to come out here. They've kind of been thrown in the trash after everyone watched them lose to Kansas City. Who, I mean, Kansas City's a juggernaut. I mean, we weren't even expecting Clive Edwards Hilaire to be that good right off the bat like that. I mean, this Kansas City team looked borderline unstoppable. I don't fault Houston for winning that for for losing that game the way they did. I think it would have happened to almost anyone. I think Houston gets back on track here. I don't know necessarily if they'll win this game straight up, but I think they're definitely covering this number. Yeah, I mean, well, Kansas City's a juggernaut of offense, but so are the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, this is a disastrous uh, week one, week two matchups for any NFL team. For sure. um, it's it's tough to blame Bill O'Brien if he goes 0-2, but at the same time, it's how they lose. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, he, I personally hate – there's nothing more in sports than I hate when mm-hmm. a coach is also a general manager or has a same. lot of power. Um, I think it's way too much responsibility, especially for a guy like Bill O'Brien. And by the way, Bill Belichick, For if anyone wants to say, well, he does it, he's an exception, okay? It doesn't work, in the, in, it doesn't work in the NBA. Just look at Doc Rivers. Um, it doesn't work in sports that often. Um, I, ju- I think it's way too much responsibility for Bill O'Brien to be the head coach, call plays, and make all these trades. He, he's made some disaster. I mean, let's just talk. I mean, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, I mean – I get it. You bring in a running back, but like you, you didn't need a running. Lamar Miller was fine for the. And Texans he gave last up year. the draft picks too. Like he, I mean, exactly. Like I just, I, I have just... no, I have a lot of faith in Deshaun Watson. I agree with you. He Same. keeps games closed by himself. He's a tremendous talent. I have zero faith in Bill O'Brien and his play calls. Uh, and at the end of the day, Deshaun is following his play calls. Um, this, this is a tough start for this Texans team. Absolutely, and also though too at seven and a half, the back door is always going to be wide open for the Texans to walk in at any point in time. So I suggest if you take the Ravens, definitely buy that half point. Trust me, I've, yeah. I've had I've had a bad yep. L before on Penn State minus seven and a half. I'll always buy that half point whenever you're on that key number. But no, I definitely think the back door will be wide open late. Deshaun might get the cover that way, but I think one way or another he's going to figure out a way to do it. The next game, as y'all know, I always we always got to talk about the Falcons on here, man. We're Falcons fan. Might as well show our squad some love. We've got the Falcons on the road at the Dallas Cowboys. Both teams looking for that first win of the season. Dallas is currently a four and a half point favorite. Total set at fifty three and a half. What do you think in this one, Ben? Yeah, I hate this matchup for the Falcons defense. I really do. Um, I think, I think the key is can the Falcons defensive line get the push they did in Week One against Seattle? I think if they can. I, th- I think if they can get a push on the run and against Dak, 
they can keep this close. I don't see the Falcons winning personally. Um, I think Dak has a chance to shred this secondary. I really do. Yeah, I um, have some good. I have some good news for you, by the way, on that statement. Tyron Smith questionable. Lyle Collins on the IR currently. Um, Cam yeah. Irving out the next two to four weeks. They could be down three offensive linemen, and not to yeah. mention Travis Frederick. Right. I mean, so we'll see. Smith will probably play. Um, he was questionable. I believe he was questionable last week and also played. Then again, uh, Zach Martin. Yeah, exactly. Zach Martin was questionable. They had three offensive linemen questionable in week one, and then I think they all played. Um, but it's it's just a matter of this defensive line because I don't trust the secondary just yet. I believe Sheffield is going to be out again um, for the Falcons secondary. I think Jake Matthews is also questionable. He's been limited in practice. He will he'll probably play. Um, I think the Falcons the Falcons can score on on anybody. I mean, which you know whether it's garbage time or throughout a game. I the problem is I don't trust. Uh, dirt cutter to put Matt Ryan in. I, I love Matt Ryan. Everyone, anyone who follows Same. me on Twitter, uh, I think Matt Ryan will be a Hall of Famer one day. Absolutely. When he retires, um, some of these plays. Okay, so Matt Ryan, like I think he's a stud, like I just mentioned, but he also needs help. Like everyone's like, well, he can't do this. Okay, well, not every quarterback can run or and throw. Matt Ryan has a good, very good arm. And he's very accurate, and he's very good in the clutch. So if they can keep it close in the fourth quarter, then that's interesting. I just don't think it'll be that close. I think it'll be more two possessions, but kind of be playing catch-up, kind of like how they did against the Seahawks. That game was ridiculous, by the way. I mean, it's 14-12. to 12, The Falcons are losing. Fourth and five. The defense plays great defense on first, second, and third down. And they have a one-on-one matchup against DK Metcalf. He runs a straight line for a touchdown. Like That just can't happen on fourth down. I don't trust the Falcons' defense just yet, but I do like what I saw from the pass rush. It was much better in week one than it was all of last um, Tack looked a lot better, um, and then adding Fowler is huge. Um, Marlon Davidson will continue to grow. I think Grady Jones is probably one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the game. But I, I think Dallas, I think Dak has a good chance to shred this secondary. You know, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think that all the facts you presented, Ben, um, leaves one underlying obvious play. You know what that is? The over? Yes, correct. <laughs> I am all over the over in this game. I think it's a lock. All the reasons you just put in right there of how bad the Falcons' secondary is, how great Dallas's offense is, I don't disagree with you on any of those. I think they're all correct. Also, Dallas is going to be without Leighton Vander Esch and without Sean Lee, which makes them very vulnerable up the middle. I think um, Hayden Hurst should have his first big game as a Falcon. I think we should be able to run the ball on him. Because remember, they don't have Gerald McCoy either. I think Julio and the boys should be wide open in the field all game long. I think this is going to be a back-and-forth shootout. And look, I'm probably going to lay the or take the 4.5 as well with Atlanta. I just feel like it's a close game. Nobody wants to start 0-2. I feel like the Falcons, realistically, I really thought the refs kind of, I mean, I hate to be one of those guys, oh, the refs lost the game for us, but I really feel like there's a couple calls there that we needed that could have gone one way or the other that really, really hurt us. Like, there was a couple of run plays where they were so obviously holding our ends, but they didn't call anything or, like, that pass interference. I mean, I'm not going to say Rico wasn't an idiot for that, but, I mean, that very questionable pass interference, like, there's a lot of things that could have gone differently in that game, a lot of different ways, but ultimately, 
the thing I always remember, man, is we got killed by the Buccaneers at home the year we went to the Super Bowl. I think I personally still believe in this Falcons team. I don't know why I do after all these years, but I still believe in them. I think the Falcons plus four and a half will get it done, and I also think that the Falcons and the Cowboys will easily go over in this game. I say it's going to take like 38 points to win this one. I'm, I think I'm going to ride that over with you. Um, the Cowboys, though, it's, you know, before Vanderish was even there, Sean Lee was, you know, captain of that defense. Mm-hmm. Very, very good middle linebacker, but always hurt. And now that he's kind of fading out uh, as he gets older and older, Vanderish seems to get hurt almost. I mean, mm-hmm. every year uh, he's got some injury now. God, it's just it's, – the Cowboys need to figure something out. I mean, they literally might have to draft another – try and get that franchise middle linebacker. Uh, I mean, seriously, for this year, Van Der Esch had a bad injury last year. I think he's missing – was he missing three to four weeks now? Or two yeah, to four weeks maybe? Yeah, like, they're a different team without him on the field. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a type of linebacker that is very good against the run, sideline to sideline, um, and he's just a good vocal leader, uh, making adjustments. That's what your middle linebacker usually does. Um, I'm interested to see – actually, I'm interested to see um, – I'm taking it over because – Rookie Trayvon Diggs, who is Dallas's first, mm-hmm. I believe he was their first pick, right? First yeah. or second draft. I think he was their first pick. He's going to be matched up on either Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones. And you get a rookie on one of those two, good luck. I mean, yeah. I, I both of those guys are elite uh, route runners. Calvin Ridley is, seriously, he's got one of the best, some of the best footwork out there. Um, similar, It's similar to what Jerry Judy can show you. Um I, I like the over as well. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, bro. I feel, I feel like it's – see, I'm glad you stated all those same statements I did because that's been my thought process all week of how, like, great these offenses are and how horrible these defenses are. So, I mean, I just think over is pretty obvious on this one. It has moved three and a half points, but still, I'm, I'm taking it, man. I think it's going to go – I think they're going to blow the doors off of it. Um, next game on the card here is the Vikings at Colts. The spread on this one is Indianapolis at home, favored by three points. Um, what are you taking in this one and why? So both teams are 0-1. Um, the Vikings, uh, you and I both picked them to lose against Green Bay last week. Um, it, that was, and yeah, that was the lock was of the a- week I delivered to you all on the podcast. I said if I didn't bet any all week, that's the only, that's the one game I have to bet. Yeah, I was a little shocked um, with Indy. Um, I'm not the biggest Phillip Rivers fan. Uh, I mean, I think he's good. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Um, I don't think it's anything special. I was shocked that they looked that flat um, against Jacksonville, who I think Gardner Minshew finished the game with one or maybe two incomplete passes. And this is a Colts defense that's supposed to be one. I think it was one. This is a Colts defense that's supposed to be pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they traded for uh, DeForest Buckner. Mm-hmm. They have uh, their stud uh, linebacker uh, blanking Leonard. Leonard. Yeah, Leonard. Thank you, stud. They got him back. Um, I'm, I was just really shocked with how flat they looked. Um, I think they play pissed off. I, I, I'm picking the Colts in this game. I still don't trust uh, the Vikings defense for all the reasons you mentioned last week against Green Bay. I think this Colts offense is, is no, I mean, it's not good enough. Like Aaron Rodgers was good enough, but I think they're good enough to put up points. Um, and I, even with Marlon Mack being out, uh, Jonathan Taylor showed a lot of promise. And they also have Hines, who's a pretty solid running back. Um, it's time to get T.Y. Hilton going. It's time to get that connection with him and Phillip going. Um, I think the offensive line getting healthier. They had three guys on the offensive line questionable last week. They all played. 
they were all uh, full participants in practice this week. Um, So I think they have a great offensive line. I think Jonathan Taylor uh, should be able to run the ball behind this offensive line, get him going. I think Phillips has a a bounce back game. I really do. I think it's time uh, in a home game. I think he wants to show um, Colts nation why they're paying him $23 million for one year. Personally, I hated that contract, but he needs to show this Colts fan base because they are projected to be a good team. I mean, listen, they could have kept Brissett and played like they did against uh, Jacksonville if they wanted to. Philip Rivers threw two interceptions, looked Brissett awful. is better than that. Hey, they did have 455 yards. I mean, they went up and down the That's field. true. That's true. But Philip Rivers had a chance late in the game and looked awful that entire drive. Awesome. Um, but So I think he has a bounce back game. I'm taking the Colts. Yeah, I actually agree with you. A lot of people are saying he's old and washed up and doesn't have it anymore, but, I mean, he's always had that awful-looking shot put motion. I mean, Phillip Rivers has played as long as he has, and I've wondered every single time I've watched him play how he gets as far as he does, but just that gunslinger mentality, man. I personally agree with you. I think they bounce back here. Hey, I will say this. Minnesota is 22-6 and off a loss against the spread since 2019, and they're 11-1 in that spot since 2018. Um, that does scare me a tiny bit, but I'm going to tell you why I'm actually not scared at all of doing this. Look, Minnesota, they got rid of their entire secondary pretty much, except for Harrison Smith this last offseason. I mean, the Packers threw the ball all over. Aaron Rodgers threw for almost 450 yards on him. I mean, they were the Packers only got stopped that one time. They turned, they got stopped on downs at the one pretty much. Other than that, it was pretty much the Packers scoring or Valdez Scantling dropping a wide open first down pass on third down and eight. You know, like the Packers did not even look remotely phased. I mean, while Den- as long as Danilo Hunter is on the bench with this injury. He's not playing again this week. He's still in the IR. I don't think they have a prayer of stopping anyone. They've lost so many players from this defense. Pretty much the only guys they still have is Kendricks, Barr, and Harrison Smith, and maybe one other, which, I mean, they're still all stars. But when you put all these rookies and guys who haven't played together in, it doesn't work like that. On top of that, Indianapolis is very good at home. Uh, Minnesota's 1-4 against the spread their last five times. They've gone to Indianapolis. Um, I think it's an obvious bounce-back spot here for Indianapolis. And Justin Houston was a late add to the injury report. I don't think any of it matters. I think Indianapolis rolls here. Um, also, though, Ben, another thing to go off what you said about Naheem Hines, I have an interesting theory on Naheem Hines. So think about how that things worked in, in uh, L.A. Melvin Gordon ran the ball a lot, not huge in the pass game. Threw the ball to Eckler a ton. Naheem Hines and Eckler are arguably the same running back. You know, I feel like that Naheem Hines actually is the better fit to go in here with Phillip Rivers, and he likes throwing a little pass-catching scat bat like that. I personally think they're better off with him in there, and I think that I think Jonathan Taylor is a good-ass running back. I think he can more than make up for what you're missing. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean Jonathan Taylor is definitely going to be more of the rushing uh, running back compared to Hines, who would be more of the third-down kind of back. Um, I think it. It gives, it gives, like you just mentioned, uh, Philip Rivers and his Colts offense a little flexibility of how they want to pick and choose, uh, how they want to use these running backs in certain situations. Um, it's just a lot of production to, to make up for this Vikings defense. Um, it really is. Um, I, I, I think Philip Rivers can bounce back. I really do. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that one. It's going to be a fun one to watch on Sunday. Can't wait for that one. Last game in primetime, Sunday night. We have the Seattle Seahawks at, or the New England Patriots are at the Seattle Seahawks. Spread is four on this one. I'll start us off with this one. Um, I'm actually rocking with Seattle in this one. Look, it's the first time the Patriots has been an underdog since 2016 when Jimmy G was the starting quarterback. <clears throat> at first, that was almost a reason for me to look at the Patriots here, but I just say not so fast. 
Seahawks are seven and three straight up the last uh, ten times they played the Patriots, and one of those losses being in the Super Bowl. So I'm sure that hurts to think about. Um, but the Seahawks are the best team in the NFL straight up in primetime games since 2016. They've gone 11 two and one straight up, 10 two and two, and 10 two and two against the spread in that spot. So I mean, the Seahawks have been a covering machine on Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night football. I think all that continues for them, even though they're not going to have the home fans in the crowd. I mean, that passing offense looks so dynamic last week. They can run the ball on you, too. I mean, as good as Belichick is, he even said he thinks Russell Wilson's the best player in the NFL in an interview earlier this week. I mean, it's tough for me to bring myself to bet against Bill Belichick, but I'm going to have to do it here, man. I really think Seattle's going to get it done in this spot. I think Russell Wilson and the boys get things rolling, and I think that defense will step up as well. They always seem to play better at home. Yeah, not only did Bill Belichick have high praise for Russell Wilson, but so did the best cornerback in football, in my opinion, Stephon Gilmore. Um, he even was praising Russell Wilson. Um, the most absurd stat that always gets brought around is that Russell Wilson has never received an MVP vote. Never. Like, not even one. I'm not saying he like deserves to be an MVP in one of these years, but like, how do you not even give him a vote? All he does is produce and win. Um Hey, interesting, a, interesting little bite real quick about Russell Wilson. I used to say he was like the Damian Lillard is how he got no respect. Now that he's actually getting the respect, he's like the James Harden. He's right there for the MVP every single year. You could arguably give it to him, but you always want to give it with the new to the new flashy guy on the block. That's his one problem, honestly. It hurts him the same way it hurts LeBron and James Harden. They always are in the same position pretty much every single season, so everyone looks at it as whatever and wants to give it to the, you know, the new guy on the block, the Giannis, the uh, the Westbrook, you know, the new guy putting up the numbers, the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jackson. You know, they don't want to go with the guy who's done it year in and year out with nothing. The interesting thing, and I'm – I'm not going to bet on a Patriots game personally um, until I can get a better grip on them for this reason. Josh McDaniels, who is a phenomenal offensive coordinator, um, has said that this offense could look different week by week. They're going to play to the defense's weaknesses and see what they could do with Cam um, to try to exploit that. Cam ran the ball a lot. The Patriots ran more quarterback uh, design runs than they ever had before for obvious reasons. Brady's not much of a runner. Um, it's Jamal Adams is going to be. I mean, Jamal Adams is a secondary player that blitzes more than he probably covers, and he and there's a reason for it. I mean, he's, he's unbelievable at getting in the backfield and causing um, chaos in the backfield. So, and he's and he's a guy that he could tackle Cam Newton one on one. He's he's a really good tackler in the open field. Um, so I'm not gonna. I, I like I like the Seahawks in this game uh, to win, uh, and I actually kind of like them to cover. But I'm not gonna personally take it. The, it's just a big matchup for me. Is can Cam get his rushes? You cannot. You the Patriots are never gonna have a game where they're gonna say Cam Newton drop back and throw the ball 35, 40 times because they know he's not gonna be able to win a game like that against a good defense and good team like Seattle. So the biggest matchup is they need they meaning Cam Newton needs to know where Jamal Adams is at all times, at all times. And this is going to be a big matchup. My other big matchup um, is the offensive line for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to get to the second level? Are they going to be able to get to Bobby Wagner? If you let Bobby Wagner run downhill, he's going to be in that backfield all day long. The Falcons failed at that. Um, I don't even want to talk about the Falcons. They're go look up what the Falcons defensive coordinator tweeted 
uh, or uh, not tweeted, said in a post game conference last oh, week. I saw it. He he basically said we didn't plan for Russell Wilson to throw the ball as effective and as much as he did. We were focused on Chris Carson. Okay, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are are not stupid like the Falcons. They're gonna game plan for Russell Wilson. Um, I don't think Russell's gonna have the success he did on against the Falcons. Falcons defense is Swiss cheese. Uh, outside of the pass rush, they they're gonna have to get pressure. They're, the Patriots are gonna have to be, excuse me, creative on getting pressure on Russell Wilson. The problem with that is you can't let him outside the pocket because other than Aaron Rodgers, I think he's probably the second best quarterback when he's rolling outside the pocket with naked plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Seattle in this matchup. But you just gotta watch. You gotta know what Jamal Adams is at all times. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one, Ben. I think you hit the nail on the head with all those points there. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I personally, I, I try to find at least like something to throw on in every primetime game. So I'm definitely going to take the Seahawks minus four. I'm not crazy confident in that pick. So I mean, don't go around throwing the house on that. But I'll probably have. What's the what's the what's the total at? Let me double check. You that. know, um, the only thing to... is in in Seattle, you just got to make sure the weather is fine. It can get pretty windy up there, and then also forty four um, and a half. I have, have are we, are, is this game officially being played in Seattle? I know that the West Coast and specifically Seattle's having a, uh, some trouble with the fires uh, and the smoke and stuff like that. So I'm assuming it's th- I'm assuming it's still going to be played in Seattle. Um, but I would uh, for the people that are interested in taking on this, I would I would try and research on that a little bit. Um, I know that the Seattle Mariners. Um, I'm bringing this up because obviously Seattle. Yeah, I mean the the Oakland A's were playing in Seattle. And a 23 or 24 year old pitcher for the A's said he was struggling to breathe, and he's a 24 year old kid, um, a healthy yeah, and he kid. Got so shelled too after that, and blew, and blew it for me. Yeah, maybe that was an excuse that he was saying, but I mean, it, it's a valid excuse. I mean, there's there's a lot happening on the West Coast with these wildfires, um, so we'll see. I mean, I would check the weather before that, just like we said in the college. Um, but if you do want to take, or what would you say the over under was? Um, it was at uh, 44 and a half. I'd probably, to be honest with you, I really don't have a good grip on that one just because I don't know how dynamic yeah. this Patriots offense is going to be. But I would probably lean under if I played any. I would, I would lean under if anyone's interested in taking that just because um, you just don't know. I mean, like I said, the Patriots are going to be pretty hard to bet on, guys. Um, their defense, they're going to have a good defense. Um, like, you know, Belichick always has that defense going. Um, their offense is going to, it, it can literally look different week by week. Um, Josh Daniels is just smart enough offensive mind to be able to do this. Cam Newton is a talented enough quarterback to be able to adjust on the fly. Um, yeah, I just don't see them winning though. It's a different Patriots season team. Hey, I agree with you there completely on that one, Ben, but you know, the deal once again, we appreciate you coming on and all your insights and everything. You got any uh, parting words for us? Uh, let's get through. Let's let's have a great week on the books. Let's get through this work week, uh, and then let's talk some SEC football. What do you say? Oh yeah, like, just a reminder, guys. Big SEC football podcast coming on Wednesday. We're both excited for that. One more week, and then we're gonna have even better college football matchups. So let's just get through this weekend, next week, and it's even better. Life is yeah, good. Only- also, I do want to say this real quick for anyone that was complaining about that last night's matchup. Okay, is it a great matchup? No. Your alternative is no football at all. So shut up, enjoy the sports you have on, and win some money, okay? Hey, Ben said it better than I could. I'm living by the same logic, too. Shut up, let's win some money, watch sports, be happy for what we have. But 
We'll see everyone next week. We'll recap everything as usual, but appreciate everyone who tuned in and talk to you all soon.